Welcome everyone to Seek, Go, Create. Got a cool, cool conversation today with our first guest that we've had that's a repeat guest, that's someone we're inviting back on to Seek, Go, Create just to have a deeper conversation. Uh, they've got a book out, uh, done a lot in business, and just a cool little glimpse here. This is someone that I have now known for, we tried to do the math once, 50 years plus. Grew up together in a small town just outside of Atlanta. So get to that in just a moment. I wanna continue reminding everyone what a valuable resource we have over at our website, SeekGoCreate.com. SeekGoCreate.com is where you can find extensive notes, details, links, resources from this conversation. We're going to be talking about a lot of books, I can guarantee you, because uh, both Bart and I, the guest, have... We love to read. We love books. We now have written books, which we're excited about. And uh, a lot of those resources are going to be over there on the website. In fact, all of them will be. So make sure if you haven't checked it out yet, go to SeekGoCreate.com and uh, just check it out. There's just a lot of cool things there. And if you haven't done it, jump down to the bottom of that page on the main page. Give us your best email address so that we can stay connected. So today it is so cool. First of all, there's a few things that are a little bit different. Recording this on a semi-early Saturday morning for me, probably midday for the guest. And, um, and it's just something that... Uh, we had a conversation the other day. I'll kind of fill you in on how this came to be. But Bart Christian, he's a business owner, speaker, author, husband, father, I think now grandfather, and uh, just a man that I I love him. I love his family. We um, we don't hang out all the time, but we are connected in ways that we'll probably talk about as we uh, as we get into the conversation. We both grew up in a little town called Conyers, Georgia, just outside of Atlanta at a time that was just different, the 60s and the 70s, and that dates us, but that may actually lead into the, some, of, some of the conversation we have. So anyway, I'm not going to go into much more than that. Bart, welcome back to Seek, Go, Create. Well, Tim, it's an honor to be here. I, I didn't realize I was your first repeat guest. That's, that's, a, that's quite an honor. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity to come talk to you. I always enjoy talking to you, period whenever we just chat on the phone and to get to do something like this and maybe, maybe hopefully, you know, share a few things with some other people is, uh, is, is humbling. Yeah. Yeah. And we, I think we're going to go deep into a lot of things that we, uh, we'll talk business, we'll talk spiritual, we'll talk family, we'll talk what's going on in the world. I mean, you and I are one of these guys, we'll get together and solve a lot of problems in the world and then maybe not share it, but we've got the recorder going. So people are going to hear it today. <laughs> um, Hey, Bart, uh, one of the first questions I love to ask, uh, I don't really need it, but for the sake of the listener, uh, let's pretend that you and I didn't grow up together in Conyers, Georgia. We didn't play on that, um, I think it was the Celtics Little League basketball team, didn't go to the same schools, all that stuff together. We didn't know each other, and we just bumped into each other. And, uh, and I asked, what do you do? What do you tell people when they ask what you do? Well, you know, it's so, so funny. I mean, people ask that question all the time. People want to say what they do, you know, their job and whatnot. You know, I, I, I think that what I do primarily is I'm a learner. I'm constantly trying to learn things. And, you know, and I find that one of the best ways that I can learn the most is speaking to other folks and writing things. But I, I, get, the, I get so much out of, you know, the opportunity to talk to folks. And when I do speaking engagements or when I, when I write, 
I think I learn more than anybody else that might be in the audience or might read what I wrote because, but I think so primarily, I guess what I do is I'm a learner, I'm a seeker. You know, like you said earlier, I'm an entrepreneur. I've been a business, I've been, I've started, you know, through three, three or four companies and, you know, they're all still running, thank God. And, uh, and, you know, and everything, we made it through the pandemic and uh, came out on the other end, I think stronger in some ways than we did before. So I guess another thing that I do is I'm a survivor. So, uh, uh, you know, but I, and I think, you know, that, you know, life is so funny and, 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 you know, I've, I'm a dad, I'm a grandfather, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a husband, you know, the, those are the things that I do. What I do to make money is different than what I actually do. If that makes any, that's the kind of the way I look at it. If that does that make any sense? It does. Yeah. And I, and I, what I like is, and I, I, I truly actually wished I could change that question at times because usually out in culture, out in society, when we ask somebody what they do, they give a job title or they give something that is, and I don't want to say this negatively, sort of superficial. You know, it doesn't really get to the root of their identity. I, I want to dive right into something. And I know you and I are going to talk books and stuff like that. But you and I had a conversation the other day. I was somewhere on the highway between Colorado and Wyoming somewhere. We were having fun with cell service. You had just gotten off, I think, cutting some grass or something down at your farm down in Georgia there. And 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 you told me something that resonated with me because I think I responded, that's me also. And so I want to start with that and then let's build upon it and talk about your book, Eager for the Master and how, how cool it is and all that. But you said that you're at a place in your life where you don't really think much about money or anything like that. It's kind of taken care of. And you just really want to share I don't know if I'm getting the right wording here. You just want to share God with people. You just want to, you just want to let mm-hmm. people know uh, kind of the bigger picture. That's my wording and all that. Can you talk more about that? Because I think that really is the foundation of really what you do and who you are. You know, I, I, I think that there's, you know, Zig Ziglar said this, that people have three stages in life. You know, the first stage is survival. You know, you got to you get started with your family you know, we all start, I started a business, you're in survival mode. And then the second phase is stability where you make it through survival. And now you're trying to stabilize what you built. And then once you've stabilized that, you know, you've been blessed to get to a point where you feel like you have, uh, then you go for significance. And, uh, and I think that that's where I am in my life. I'm, I'm writing another book right now on, on wellness to go with my simple solution series and I just started and I wrote the eager with them eager for the master simply because I, I, I feel like there's I'm at a point in my life where, you know, good or bad, I got a lot to share. And the uh, and I think that God has blessed me in so many ways to get through some of the toughest times you can imagine, to be honest, completely honest with you. We've all you know, we all shit. I said I said this to a group the other day and you know, we all share the same story. We're all singing the same song. We just read different, on different verses, different places. Some that sometimes we come from a little bit harder place, but but you know, it, it, there's so much that we have to give each other that sometimes we just don't. You know, the world steals that from us. I mean, the world is all about stealing us from each other because the more separate, the more divided, the more divisive uh, the world, the world, the media, whatever can make us. The more separated we are, the more alone we feel when really we're not. Yeah, and I, I think isolation is something that um, 
we'll call it the world, the enemy. That, that's not the kingdom of God. I mean, we're supposed to be connected right. and interact. It's one of the reasons why I think you and I, every time we do kind of circle back together and connect, it's like, bam, we've got so many things that we're out doing independently. We probably should communicate about it more often. I'm excited we're able to do it here um, on uh, on the podcast with the recording going. I, I do want to ask something. I, we just spent a little bit of time with our children and grandchildren. Um, I think, boy, don't hold me to this. I think our daughter just turned 30 maybe 31. Sorry, boy, I should know that. <laughs> and, uh, and listen, you and I are approaching, are you 60 yet? You're, you're about a year older than me, I think. 59. I'll be a 60. I'll be 60 on December 2nd. December. Yeah. You're about one year older than me. I'll be, I'm about to be 59 in November. So we're close. I remember our birthdays were sort of close to each other. I'm late November. Mm-hmm. All right. So we, we've been around a few years And the thing that you just brought up about Zig, I think, is very valuable because I've thought some about this. And so I'd love for you to share some thoughts. You said that early on in life, it's survival, then it's stability, and then it's significance. In looking back, and we're not going to say that Zig had it wrong. We're never going to say that. But would you have changed anything about that? I mean, would you have attempted to hustle and survive as much early on? Would you have adjusted things? I put a lot of thought into that recently and I've been kind of meditating on it. What are your thoughts on that? Well, I go back to Zig. The, um, I saw an interview with him one time uh, and it was a, a stage. They're sitting on him and a, a fellow named Jim Rohn, great speaker, great influential person in my life, another mentor. And they were interviewing the two of them and they asked Jim, they asked them that question. Is there anything you would go back in life and do differently? Is there one thing that you would not spend as much time on? Is there something that you, things you would change? Well, Jim Rohn being a businessman, uh, you know, pointed to several things that not major things, but wished I had done this. Maybe wish I hadn't done that, a financial mistake, something like that. And then they went to Zig, and this has resonated and stuck with me for, and I saw it 10 years ago, and I, I can close my eyes and see, see his answer right now. He pauses, you know, puts his hand in, face in his hand, looks up at the group and says this. He goes, you know what? He said, I can't think of one single thing that I would do differently. He said, because I would be afraid that if I did anything differently in the past, that I would not be sitting right here today where I am with what I have. He said, and I can't imagine anything being better. So would I change anything? He said, I got to look back and say, no, I wouldn't. Yeah. And it, that's it, powerful. And, that's powerful. And it, even though there's been some tough time, you brought it up earlier. And, you know, one of the things we embrace here at Seek Go Create is this whole concept of redefining what success is and, and, and not shying away from the tough times. Uh, you know, I think a lot of positive mental attitude stuff sometimes makes things all sunshine and roses and all of that along the way. And what you just said is powerful because you, myself, anyone listening, they would not be who they are were it not for some, some ugly time. I mean, I, I could share ugly times. I know you can too. Absolutely. It's really part of what's developed us. And I do think we have to embrace it. So, so if we were to encourage some folks like our children that are, you know, they've got young kids and they're not sleeping much and they're going through things. If we were to encourage people in those generations that may be a generation or two younger than us, what would we tell them? What would you tell them? 
Oh, good question. I think, you know, when I looking back on my life, the things that got me through the tough times, you know, death and sickness and disease and, you know, financial loss and, you know, all the things that we've all suffered with. Uh, at first, what got me through was my wife. You know, my wife was my rock and, you know, my girlfriend, as I call her, you know, uh, and uh, she was my rock. And then, you know, we had always been involved in church, but we weren't we weren't involved in church. If that makes any sense. We were like a lot of people. We were going through the motions. Uh, but, you know, if I could give my children one, two piece of advice. Number one is I would say this, you know, uh, if, I, if you could go back, you always get this question. If you go back, speak to yourself, you know, when you're 18, what would you say? You know, and, and, and what I would say to myself at 18 was trust God a whole lot more, talk to God a whole lot more and write down what he does for you. Because if you do that, because I, I found I've been a journaler for about 25 years. I got to sit back here on my shelf behind me. I have a stack of journals that's probably, I don't know, a hundred books, you know, that are, that are filled out, filled up. And I periodically go back through them and go back in time, 10, 15 years and, and thumb through it and read. And it's two things are amazing to me. Things that I thought that were horrible at the time yeah. turned out they were still horrible at the time. Don't get me wrong. But what the progression of things that happened as a result of that fork in the road turned out for my benefit. That's number one. The second thing is, is I real I read back and look at things that I wrote when I was melancholy and whining and crying and upset about something that happened. I look at it and I realize just how stupid that was to feel that way. Number one, and I mean literally, I tell my kids when they when they get my journals, they're going to find pages where there's a big red X across the page and at the top of it, it's going to say this is stupid because but it's how I felt, and so getting those feelings out. I think are, are giant. So I, I guess, you know, it'd be trust more, pray more, you know, talk to God more and write down the things that things that are happening in your life, because there's some clarity and some cleansing to getting things out of your brain. I, I believe. Yeah. And you know, one of the things <clears throat> that I heard you say there that just really kind of hit me in my spirit and really it's the theme of all that's in your book, eager, eager for the master. We'll talk more about that in just a moment is really this whole trust and just laying yourself at the feet of not just um, your Savior, but also your Lord. Because similar yep. to you, I mean, we may have had similar paths along this. You know, I would I would pop in and out of a church there every once in a while in Conyers, Georgia, and, and you know, do the, do the cursory, you know, Easter and Christmas. And, um, you know, there were a couple of girls that I followed into the church a few times, which is not altogether a bad thing, except I should have listened to what was going on in there when I walked in instead of paying attention to the girls. But... I recognize that once I did sort of get serious about, okay, I need to, I need to give my life over. I need to begin developing my spiritual walk. I still had it compartmentalized, Bart. And I don't know if you were this way, but I was still like, I had my, my, my spiritual walk, but then I still kind of thought I was pretty smart, pretty good in business and making money and all that kind of stuff. And I never really let the Lord really get involved with that. Like I should. So that word trust 
to me is the thing that I would, if I would convey to anyone, and I think that's going to be probably the theme of this whole conversation because it's, it's really what eager for the master. That's what I hear when I see that it's trusting in the master and giving things up for the master. To me, that's a message that I wish, number one, I'm still trying to get it, but I wish I could convey that to others. What, what are your thoughts? Well, you can't trust somebody you don't know. Okay. That's the first thing. And the, uh, and, you know, I found that, that, you know, I was, I was a church goer too. been going to church and I got saved when I was 12 years old. You know, I got baptized when I was 18, you know, and, uh, uh, always went to church. Uh, but I wasn't always there. If that makes any sense. You know, I was the same way I chased, you know, the, the, the girl I'm married to right now, you know, I chased around church. So the, uh, you know, so I can dig it. Um, but you can't trust somebody you don't know. And I found that, you know, that when I, I believed, I don't know how you can open your eyes and walk outside and see the trees and the birds and the water and the sky and the grass and the animals and whatnot, not believe. I think you got to almost be a fool not to believe there's some kind of design to it. I know we're not supposed to call people fools, but I think Paul actually does that in the book of Romans. So the, uh, uh, you know, but I, I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't know who God was. You know, I, I read, I read the Bible, but when I really started about 10, 12, maybe 15 years ago, really, 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 really reading the Bible as the book that it was and not just doing what so many people do. And that's, you know, I wrote one of the books that I'm going to, I'm basically going to bad mouth right now. And that's, a, you know, people take devotionals and that is their, that is their learning of God. That, that is their, their, their touch their That is their relationship. There's a communication with God. And you just can't do that. It just don't work. I mean, it's shallow. It's, 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 it's thin. It may be wide, but it's very thin. And so when the troubles come, it's very easy to go back to not trusting or not believing or not having faith. You know, what did the centurion say? The Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And that's just, I think that's where so many people find themselves is they believe, but their belief is so thin because they don't, they don't study God's word. And you know, I, I really dove into Romans, uh, you know, when I started, when I, for this book, I was diving into Romans. That's when this book kind of came to me was that, you know, that whole book is about, this is who you are. This is who God is. This is what God has given you. This is what God has available for you. If you will just simply grasp a hold of it. And if you don't, so, you know, I don't, I'm roundabout, roundabout way of getting it is you got to know God. And the only way you're going to know God is read his word, pray, and shut up and be quiet because God does not compete. You know, you can't say God does not compete with Oprah. He doesn't compete with Netflix. He doesn't compete with anything. The only time anybody's ever, yep, the phone, the only time anybody's ever in the Bible or anytime ever really truly heard from God is when they were, they were, they were talking to him. They had built a relationship with him and they got quiet. And that's what happened with me. And that's one of the time, my most precious time in the morning is I get up in the morning. I, I, I do my Bible study and then I put my headphones on. I cross my legs in my chair and I lean back and I close my eyes and I'm just quiet for about 20 minutes. And that's when I won't say revelation, maybe who knows, but that's when, that's when things come to me out of the blue. Yeah. So there's, I've got about three questions from all that you just said. And I think I want to start with this. 
because there's, just like you mentioned with Zig earlier, it seems like there's phases that people go through. I, I think people go through phases in their relationship with the father also. And mm -hmm. so I was, I was wondering if you might could share, you mentioned you've been journaling for 25 years. You mentioned you kind of grew up in and around church. Uh, but do you recall either a time or a season where you stepped over from God, the acquaintance to God, the master, <laughs> you know, or, or something like that. You could word it however you want. I'm, I'm using terminology that you use in your book, but what was going on with Bart when you made that transition? Because I think a lot of people are listening and going, I don't know if I'm at that place yet. I mean, I, I think I know God, but I don't think I really know God. So I actually can think of a few times in my life. What about you? I can tell you exactly the moment that I stepped across from being a, a you know, a casual Christian, for lack of a better word, to really, really having been whopped upside the head by God and saying, look, it's time. Okay. I can tell you exactly when it was August of 2000, uh, the year 2000. I can't tell you the exact date. It was mid-August. I had, I Long story short, my best friend and business partner was going to go to Arizona with me and we were going to be work together. And long story short, he died on the trip hmm. uh, out to Arizona when we were looking for homes and he died in my hand. And uh, and a series of things happened after that where, you know, we were not going to move. We changed our mind. We said, this is a sign from God. We're not supposed to go. And we were absolutely wrong about that. Because when we got back and started to backtrack, uh, things started to dissolve around us. Um, things that were always solid and good started to dissolve around us. We prayed. I prayed some of the most arrogant prayers I've ever prayed in my life. Job, Job kind of moments. And, uh, you know, challenging God. And, and on two distinct occasions, I challenged God to do something specific. And within minutes... He did exactly what I asked. I wish I had asked for more. <laughs> but that, was they, uh, that was just part of the process, though. You were you were yeah, where you were, was, too. <laughs> yeah, it was life changing. And from that point on, I, re I realized that I, 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 I understood foot, the footprints poem, you know, where it's like, you know, God, you left me. God, I was behind. You know, and he says, no, I actually was carrying you the whole time. And that's exactly what I realized. I realized that God had been carrying me for a long, long time. He had prevented, I look back on my life and it kept me from, you know, he kept me out of jail. He kept me out of trouble. He kept me, you know, he, he prospered me, even though I really, you know, wasn't, well, I guess we're never deserving, but I was d less deserving than most. Yeah. And, uh, and, and, and he, uh, you know, and he just kept doing it. And then once we got in, got to Arizona and it was just me and Melissa and the kids, it became me and Melissa and the kids and God. And we became all, it became that, that was the moment in time where I stepped from being, you know, somebody who went to church on Sundays and talked to a good game to being somebody who really truly had faith and trust, even though it you know it like I said, I'm not perfect. You know it wavered. Things happen, and I'm going really, God, really. You know, and I, but but I never at, at past that point ever said, you know, why why me? I always said, you know, okay, where's the gift in this? Show me, show me where the gift is. I'm open. I'm looking. It's not going my way, but clearly there's got to be something here. Sure. So so that and I I think 
I think anyone who has some spiritual depth to them has similar stories. And that doesn't make light of anyone's situation where you've got a friend that and business person that that dies in your arms or you go through financial, you know, bankruptcy and homelessness, whatever that that, that was part of my journey. Mm-hmm. I think everyone has that story. That's one of the things we were talking about earlier. The second thing that you brought up earlier that to me, working with leaders and teams and people that run organizations and things, to me, I, one of the things you said earlier, I, I don't want us to make light of it, was the need to spend quiet time without all the things coming at us. You know, you and I, we, we don't want to go old home day, you know, old home with everybody, but we grew up in a much simpler time. That sounds really like old dudes talking, you know, 60s, 70s, just outside of Atlanta. Atlanta hadn't swallowed up our little town. And, you know, we had three channels plus that one other channel that Ted Turner was trying to do something with in the 70s. And that was about it. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> But now there is so much coming at people that I think that we have a deficit of quiet time. And, and you mentioned that you, you block that time early. And I know you work with a lot of people and business people and people in the, in, in the, um, industry of food service and all, but any other tips, any other ideas, any thoughts on, how critical quiet time is. Well, I think for sanity's sake, it's very critical. And I think that, you know, that you can't, you can't, <clears throat> you can't hear what you can't hear. Mm. Okay. I mean, that's, that's such a, that's, that's, you know, seems like cliche, but it's the truth. You know, I do travel a lot and I, I find that what I, the thing I find most fascinating about the world today is this, is there must be constant noise. You know, we, 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 we went, we, you know, we traveled a lot. Me and Melissa have been blessed to be able to travel and go and I, and doing what I do speaking, I've been able to travel a lot. And if you get up at five o'clock in the morning, which is my kind of normal MO and you're at a hotel and you walk downstairs, you know, just to get out of your room, there's music playing. You got to go out on the porch, the veranda, whatever you want to call it. There's music playing. There's no quiet. You know, and so I've literally been in hotels before and not wanted to be in my room and gone to the stairwell and done my quiet time just because I wanted to be somewhere else besides sitting in that room. I, I when I was younger, you know, and I had kids, I would go literally sit and I'd go into sit in my, this sounds ridiculous, but I'd go sit in my closet and shut the door and sit on the floor just so I could have quiet because it's, it's almost a non-existent commodity in some, so many people's lives. And I see kids, you know, my kids, I love my kids, you know, but, but, you know, my, this, there's constant noise, you know, there's constant noise and they're, uh, uh, you know, and it's just, you know, that, that, I find this out as they get older, there's, they're seeing the value of it more, yeah. but so many people, they don't, they think that quiet is their headphones on with a little bit of music playing or, you know, or something. They think that's quiet time. That's, that's, that's all, the things that God does not, he's like I said earlier, he doesn't compete. I like how you brought up sanity. You know, there's a, many would say that there's a mental health or a whatever type health we want to talk about 
situation that's going on in the world. Mm-hmm. And, and I would almost, and I'm not a doctor, I know you're not a doctor either, but I would almost pinpoint what you just brought up as probably being one of the root causes. And that's because there's so much noise going on in people's head. And even so, it's not totally sound either, Bart. I mean, it's also scrolling. It's, it's just stuff that's stimulating instead of allowing our brain to be quiet and still so that we can hear that voice, that voice of the master that you brought up. So I, I think that's really good. I'd love to shift into kind of what, uh, I think you've been writing some stuff for a while, but this this book, Eager for the Master, is a little bit of a different book than you've written in the past. So, uh, and I, and I want to say I was blessed to get kind of like an early on copy and then Two days ago, you sent me the the final copy, and I don't know if there's a lot of changes, but I will tell you this: some of the images and all that I saw in the final copy are, are pretty phenomenal. I mean, y'all really y'all really added a lot to it as you started getting to the final. Tell us a little bit about the book and what what you were trying to accomplish with it, and uh, and, let, and let's just kind of talk about writing here because you and I are the significant phase of our life has us writing more. (laughs) Right. Well, the thing, the thing with the book is pretty, I mean, I just, I sat down, you know, about a year ago to write my third book and my simple Solutions series, which is simple solutions for personal wellness. And that's all about, you know, mental wellness talks about quiet time and, you know, and it's, it's, it's a, it's a secular uh, a business book, but there's a whole bunch of scripture in it, if that makes any sense. And as I, as I started, as I, and I just finished it by the way. And, the, but as I was started it, it's like, I could, I was brain locked on it. I couldn't at the same time I was studying the book of Romans. And it's like, you know, I woke up one morning and this dog is under my feet. I can't even get out of the bed because I, I'm a little can't even put my feet on the ground because she will not allow my feet to touch the ground until I rub her with my feet. And I went and did my quiet time. And part of the quiet time was uh date was Psalms. And it said, you know, when David said early, will I rise in the morning and seek thee? I'm paraphrasing, but that's pretty much. And that, that whole Psalm is about his desire. His only singular desire was to be with God. And, uh, and, and I said, ah, oh, you know, that's, that's like rain. I mean, rain's like all she wants in the morning is me. You know, she asked you, and it just sort of went from there. And I started looking at all these little things that she did, like, you know, taking, you know, stealing our socks and, you know, she'd steal our dirty socks, not our clean socks. She wanted the socks that had been worn all day out in the field working because they were filled with fragrance. And it made me think again about in you know, the fragrance of God and how we're called to share the fragrance of God and, and how that's all she wants it was my fragrance. And just those paired, those, I didn't just those, parallels between you know her her need for us above everything else and 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 her trust in us and how i just started mirroring that well that's kind of what i think that's kind of what god wants god god if, if we'll just you know lay ourselves bare before him belly up and trust him and seek only to be around him and when we're not with them miss him um that that's kind of what that, that, I, I think that's a lot of the call, if that makes any sense. And, and, and so here's the, my follow-up question to that. Is it that simple? Is it that simple? I believe so. 
<laughs> do we overcomplicate it? I believe it, it? is. I do believe we it's just that. I believe, huh? Do we overcomplicate it? <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. Um, excuse me. But yeah, I mean, we do. And that's, my God. You know, that's, yeah, we do. We do overcomplicate it. I mean, we're, you know, it's it's just really, really, you know, God simply wants us to trust him, believe in the Savior, and obey. And, you know, and somebody says, well, you know, there's, there's, there's no free, you know, this, I can't remember how, who said it, but somebody was talking about freedom and there's no freedom in Christianity. There's Christianity is boring. And I just, you know, and I get to looking back on my life and I think some of the, some of the fun that I thought I was having really was not. And some of the things that I do now, I mean, the most fulfill, fulfillment I have now are in the simple things, simply, you know, getting up in the morning, reading a little bit, sitting out by the lake and, uh, drinking a cup of coffee and marveling at this creation that, you know, was just, you know, an accident of two cells bumping together. You know, it just is, uh, it's fascinating to me how people can, can not believe and not understand. I think it's like, you know, so what did Romans say? Every Paul said in Romans, everybody knows the truth. Everybody knows it. It's there. There's no, I mean, there's anybody, it's somebody who says that they, they, they're denying it. They're simply denying what they know to be true because their pride will not allow them to say, huh, okay, maybe I'm not right. Maybe I should be quiet and just see, if, see, see, see what I hear. Yeah, but I think everything is trying to pull us away from that relationship that you're talking about in the book. Yeah. One of the things I loved about just the, uh, just the general theme of the book and it's in and, and and I and I did the read through kind of the 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 quick read through the second read through uh over the last couple of days right on the heels of my wife and I she actually is leading a read through the bible and and we just finished the old testament we just started the new testament and bard it's so interesting and fascinating when we start not just looking at the specific scripture but the story of the bible and the story mm-hmm. of the Old Testament is exactly what you just said. God just wanted his people to be, to be, his to people. be eager for the master. That's it. That's all yeah. he wanted. Yeah. It's that yeah, simple. That was it. So, you know, I, I did something very interesting about reading through the Bible. I did something very interesting. I've done it about, I've done it a few times over the last 10 years, you know, more, more, more than once and less than 10, but I've done it a few times. And that start in Genesis 1 and read all the way through Revelation 22 in order, just like a novel. Mm-hmm. Don't bounce around. Don't jump around. Read the whole. Now, I will tell you this. You're going to get some parts in Deuteronomy and Chronicles where you may not be able to quite make it through all of that. But, 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 there are, but for the most part, I mean, you just read through it. And it opened, that has opened my eyes so much to the story, to God's story. I mean, it really, you know, hear people say, the Bible is God's love letter to mankind. It really, really, truly is. It's full of wrath. It's full of chastisement and discipline, but it is full of love. And, and, and most of the time you look at that chastisement, that discipline, that wrath, it, it, something good came from it. It was used, you know, I'm not, I'm not one of these people who believes everything happens for a reason. I just don't believe that, mm-hmm. but I do believe all things work together for the good for those who love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. I do believe that. Yeah. And, uh, uh, you know, and I think some people are 
they get one of the things that bars people, I believe, from getting close to the master and being eager for the master is hard times. And they get in a hard time and they, they, they have that thin, had that thin faith. And then it's so easy for them to begin to question God. And, and, and I think that's okay. I think Job, Job taught us that that's okay. Uh, but where you coming from, where, where, where we're at. In your, in your walk when you start coming with those kind because I feel like when I came to the with God with those questions you know back in 2000 they were angry I mean angry I was mad at God you know I was fist pumping mad at God and uh uh but I, but my faith was not thin does that make sense yeah. I'd had 40 years of of foundational stuff and uh so when God hit me in the head and said look like this is this is what the deal is with his discipline um I was ready for it and I saw it for what it was. And so many people, they don't see that they're not ready for it. And when they get hit with it, it drives them further away and they don't have the, they don't, I mean, the noise of the world just keeps pushing them out. I don't know if that makes any sense. But yeah. It's just, but to contrast that, and I totally agree with you. I think that we really learn who we are. Uh, I'll say it maybe in two situations and I might get you to comment on this. Cause I think you could comment on this also. Number one, when we go through tough times, but also when we're prospering and doing really well. I, I, I recorded something recently. I don't remember exactly how I worded it, but it went something like you really learn character and integrity and all from, from a man. I will say man. Women might be similar, but men's egos have a tendency to be a little bit more out of whack. <laughs> you really learn when they're financially in tough times, maybe health and other things too. But then also you learn when all of a sudden they look in their bank account and there's a lot of money there or business is going really well or things are going really, really good for them. And I know you've had that too. And I've seen some people and I've seen my personal situation that I would get a little bit cocky at times when things were going really good, think, thinking, oh, look, the Lord's blessing me and, you know, all this prosperity. I must be doing things right. So speak to both ends of those spectrum, not just when it's tough, but when things are going really well, I see some people get off track. Well, trial and triumph amplifies character, mm. period. And uh, <clears throat> whatever, whatever you are is amplified by trial and by triumph. Mm. So, you know, if you have people that are going through tough times and they weren't really you're going to see it uh, if, if, if they're, they're going to begin to blame or they're going to be question or they're going to begin to doom and gloom, you know, really. If you see people that have that are super successful and they suddenly become, you know, for lack of a better word, buttholes, that they, they, they were they were always that they just hit it well. <clears throat> so I think it I think those two things amplify character. The, the, the interesting thing about trial is that, you know, it, it, it also opens up gapes in your soul that you can't fill by yourself and so you know those are and that those are those gapes in in your soul that happen in trick under trial heavy severe trial and stress uh, that's when god will step in surprisingly and, and 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 fill those for those who he's called bottom line and you know and and and, and those who would believe 
uh, you know, they may not be believers now, but they, but they, but they will be. And, you know, you, that's when you see these miraculous changes happen in people's lives and go, God, how did that happen? Well, it was always there. It just took that little gap to open up so God could fill it. And then all of a sudden they saw it. That makes sense. Yeah, that does. So tell me a little bit about the writing process for you. I mean, I, you know, it's writing is interesting for me because very similar to what we talked about earlier, you can't multitask when you're writing. I don't no. think some people may be able to, I, I can't. No, I can't. <laughs> so what, when you're writing, what is that like for you? What is the time like? What's your rhythms? I'm just curious. It's almost just for me, but we'll let people listen in on uh, the response here. Well, for the eager, eager for the master book is very interesting because I journal every morning. And so, and I'll journal, I've got an iPad, you know, I used to actually, I don't really write it. I, mean, I got a, I don't know how to fix this, by the way. I, uh, I, I don't write in the journals anymore. I write in my iPad. I've got a pro, I got an app called good notes mm-hmm. and it's a handwriting app. And I write and my wife's like, you've got to print this stuff off because if this thing happens, something happens, you know, but so I'm a journal every day and I'd always write a page. I write, I, 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 I disciplined myself to be able to put my thoughts in a single page, <clears throat> which are, which is, which is really, I didn't really realize what I was doing. I guess God did. And he started doing it to me, but I didn't really realize what I was doing. But what I was doing was I was having to be concise in my thoughts. So that writing every morning habit made it a lot easier because what I did was when I started writing this book, I started writing it as a journal to begin with. And I started writing down things that happened and, you know, things that things that brought to my mind had the scriptural par- scriptural parallels. And so when I sat down and really started to really put the book together, I just did it in the mornings when I was writing anyway. So uh, and that 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 was my that unusual for any other book I've ever written. Never done any other. Th- this was almost a one chapter a day book. And uh, and then I uh, and then I went back and, and cleaned it up, you know, and, and ma- you know, made the stories better, you know, and that kind of. But the uh, um, but the other books I've written in the past, most of the time I would I would write an outline out and then go get a hotel room somewhere for about four days and pound it out. And uh, that's what I've done in the past. But this book I'm working on now, the personal wellness book, I'm doing it the same way I did Eager for the Master. And it's actually turning out pretty good because I think I think that's a better rhythm, actually. You know, I don't get in this thing and write. I'm like Stephen King. You, I read a book on that he wrote called On Writing. And he said he would, you know start writing at 11, 11 o'clock at night and write till seven o'clock in the morning. I have done that and I've written some pretty good stuff doing that, but I don't, that, that doesn't work for me anymore. Yeah. One of the things that I found for me, because I, 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 in my quiet time, the Lord has very clearly told me he wants me writing more. Here's the interesting thing about it though. Yeah, me too. I don't know if it's, it's probably all of this, but I don't know if it's just for me because he knows that I have to be, there's a different muscle for writing. I have to be still and quiet. It forces me to put my thoughts in a different format than when we speak. Cause I know you're a speaker also, and it's a totally different thing to flip on a mic or to stand up on a stage and just share versus then all of a sudden putting it in writing. That is very different. I don't care what anybody says. Some people say, oh, well, just take what you say and have somebody transcribe it. No, that is very different for me. But I, I'm, I even have quiet time. The Lord said, Lord, are you just, is this just for me or am I putting some of this down for other people? And I think I hear the Lord say yes when I ask that question. But uh, it is fascinating to me, the muscle that is required for that. 
and it's a and it's 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 a it's a skill I think that everybody has. It's just a you know it's just a whether or not you want to work on developing it. I mean the the, the everybody's got a story. Everybody's got something that they can share that can give to somebody that's going to, I mean, I've always this, I believe God allows that allows adversity in our lives to prepare us to help the next person. Yeah. And, 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 you know, and, and everybody's got a story that they can tell that will touch somebody. Um, you just, some, so many people, you know, my brother, I lost my brother seven years ago and, uh, and, uh, obviously painful, obviously horrible time. You know, and my mom, you know, went through a period of time when she wouldn't talk to anybody because she didn't believe that anybody could possibly understand what she was going through. And, you know, and I mean, and there, there's some, there's some truth to that. There's there's, But at the same time, there were when she found when she opened up her heart to groups, be it Facebook, whatever, of people that had shared a similar experience in the loss of a child, she found she, she, she found some, some, some peace and uh, because she realized that she wasn't in it all by herself. Mm. And I think that's the key thing with writing. I, I believe is that you share, it depends on what you write, obviously, yeah. but, but, but if you're writing things like you and I are, the whole idea is just to share some of what we've been through. So it might make the path a little bit less treacherous for the person that's fallen behind us. Yeah, I agree. And I, it's just something that the Lord has said, I want you to do it. And and what I find myself, if I push it to later in the day, it kind of blows blows up and doesn't work well. I've got to do early, get that done before I start on my business projects and all the other things that pile in. And and so mm -hmm. uh, for, for anyone who might be listening in, if you're being nudged to write Bart and I right now are encouraging you to just do it because there is something that's powerful and magical. And it's a cool thing that at the end of the day, you've got something you could hand someone and say, here, read this. Uh, what are you, what are you hopeful that people get, um, from this, uh, you know, the master, the, 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 the book, I mean, the subtitle, I, I wrote it down here, spiritual lessons learned from man's best friend, eager for the master. And uh, is that it? Well, I think that I think that, you know, the whole thing of this book is that it's the little things. It's the little things. It's the little things that the dog did that 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 that. Brought us closer, you know, I didn't want the dog when we she's a covid dog. I didn't want the dog. I didn't want another dog. I, you know, me and my wife were finally empty nesters do whatever we wanted to do, you know, she wants this dog and I did not want the dog. I, not that I don't love dogs. I've had dogs my whole life. We've, we've always been animal people, but I just didn't want another animal. I said, we finally, that's one less thing we got to deal with. So she brings this dog into the, in the family anyway, because you know, I, that's just the way, it, that's the way it works, Tim. If mama wants it, mama gets it. Cause you're not so, in charge. Uh, Cause you're not in charge, Bart. Go ahead and say it. That's, that's exactly right. It's a facade, but the, uh, uh, but, you know, so we got her and, you know, instantly we fell in love. I fell in love with her. Uh, her it's the first female dog we've ever had. Her spirit was so soft and so gentle. And all she wanted was us. And then I just thought, like I said, I got impressed to write this book. And then I just started noticing the little things like her, her getting a thorn in her foot and running from us. Just like we get thorns in our life and we run from God. 
you know, and, and when she would run and she'd hide from us and try to dig it out and she'd make it worse. And then when she finally would come back to us, getting it out was more pain, was more painful than it had to be. And over time, which when with that time we lived in Arizona, over time, what she realized was when I get a thorn, I just need to go straight to them and lay down because they're going to pull it out, which is exactly what happened. But it took time, just like us. I mean, you know, it took time for her to understand that we were not going to be mad at her. We were not going to be upset. We were not going to hurt her. It might hurt, you know, that transition from that sinful thorn, that thorn to comfort that interim might be painful because if you've ever stuck a cactus thorn in your foot or arm, you know that sometimes coming out is worse than going in. And, uh, and so, you know, just little things like that, you know, little things like her laying at the foot of our bed when we go to sleep, she, she won't, she will not lay down until we are both in the bed and covered up. Then she lays down because, you know, and, you know, and, and her fascination with nature chasing things. I mean, just the little things that so many people just take for granted because of the stinking noise that's going on around us, you know, we miss the, you know, we miss the beauty of the outside because of the football game or because of the movie or because of Facebook or Instagram or whatever, you know, I see some of these kids. The most fascinating thing to me is people sitting at lunch, sitting at dinner. You see people sitting at dinner, be six people sitting at a table together. Nobody's talking. Everybody's got their phone doing this. I just really want to walk over there and just snatch them all up, drop them in a basket and say, y'all talk. I'll give them phones back when you get, when you get through eating. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. You know, it's interesting. One of the things I wanted us to finish up here and, uh, and we'll let people know as we wrap up where they can find the book and what the schedule is and things like that. But, um, I looked back and Bart, you and I, the interview that we did for the podcast released on March 9th of 2020. And I think back to that time, and I don't even know if we had an inkling. I mean, you and I are kind of always sort of evaluating what's going on in the world and what's happening here and, and, and things like that and what's going on. But March 9th of 2020 seems like forever ago. It seems as if as the world and lives and things like that have changed so much in that time. One of the things I wanted to do as we finish up here is just have a couple of guys that are, you know, approaching 60 years old with a little bit of history and all, just kind of talk about some observations of what's going on in the world. You just mentioned a, what I think is a small one, which is indicative of what's happening. People sitting around the dinner table all on their phones. But I mean, let's just kind of, you know, t March of 2020, who would have thought we would be where we are today? And so what are, what are some things when I just even bring that up that go through your mind? I'm just wanting to tap into some of your wisdom to share with uh, kind of observations and what's happening. Well, not much wisdom I can share, but I can share some, some thoughts. thoughts the, uh, <laughs> uh, I, uh, uh, you know, we moved from Arizona back to Georgia, you know, family issues and whatnot, you know, we just felt like it was, we needed to be here. And, uh, and we moved to a very small town in South Georgia. And, um, you know, I noticed here that things are, Tim, things are very similar to the way they were when you and I were young. 
it's a small town. I walk down the street. I've been living here almost six months, a little over six months now, and people know my name. You know, they speak. It's just, you know, it's it's small church, everything. So I think a lot of it's got a lot of the change has impacted different people in different ways, but it's impacted the people that are in the urban areas more strongly than it has others because people, I think people in the country, people that are a little bit removed from that urban setting, you know, they're drawn to each other a little bit more in a different way. I think that what's happened in the urban, in the cities is that people are, people are in a lot and rightfully so in some areas scared of each other. And there, you know, that there's people that are, you've got, you've got, you know, there's apparently since COVID hit, there's an absolute apathy towards uh, enforcing the law in so many places. And uh, and and so the, the lawlessness breeds fear, which be, breeds division, which breeds discontent, which breeds isolationism. And I think that's where we are. So there's so many people that are isolated. There's a little oasis. My son lives in Laguna Beach, which is just outside of uh, Los Angeles. And Orange County is like this little oasis in California where there's still a modicum of sanity hanging around. And they, uh, uh, sorry, my California watchers, I apologize, <laughs> but they, uh, but you know, so, and there are places, there are pockets, but I, I see so many people when I travel, when I traveled, I spoke in, um, Arizona last week and, uh, you know, the, the theme was together, togetherness. And they wanted me, I, the only thing they wanted me to talk about was what, what it takes to build a team. And all I talked about was how, you know, you are individually responsible for bonding with your team and there can't there can't be a there can be a you without team but there can't be a team without you and uh, and how you know we've got to get over this this isolationism and fear and i cannot tell you how many people came up to me afterwards and said thank you because that's exactly what we needed because that's the world we're living in we're living in a world where people are afraid to go out and you know you can live in a great neighborhood but if you watch the news all day long you, you may be afraid to walk your dog now, if you live in downtown Philadelphia, pardon my Philadelphia friends, but if you live in downtown Philadelphia, you might rightfully not want to go out and walk your dog. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, and the interesting thing about it, we had an interview not too long ago. In fact, it might be released around this time. I interviewed Joel Green, former NBA player, and and uh, he grew up in Philly. And we had this conversation about small town-ish Georgia where I grew up and he grew up and he was on edge all the time. And he... And, and what was interesting is that helped him on the basketball court because he could see not just what he was doing, but he could see nine other people at the same time because his eyes were always darting back and forth. Anyway, fascinating right. conversation. But uh, but what's interesting about what you just said, uh, I, I want to go to it too. I mean, I think everybody listening in know that Glory and I, we live in an RV and we travel around. Right now we're just outside Rapid City. And it's so powerful what you said, Bart, about the difference between urban and rural or urban and not urban, because it is as if there's this, the, the, something's going on in the cities and, and it creates some of the divisions and things like that, that, uh, that we know causes issues and fear, whatever. I mean, I'm working on a storyline right now that is set in the not too distant future where the United States is not united anymore. And Bart, I was originally gonna divide up the country with sort of red, blue, you know, I hate to get like the political right. portion of it, but what I've recognized driving around, and I know you fly over the country, so I'd love to get your perspective of this too. We don't really have an overcrowded issue. 
we have a distribution no. issue. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, there Absolutely. is so many, so much space around this country for people to go if they wouldn't just crowd into the cities. And and I just think sometimes people just need to, if they're in the city, they just need to get out a little bit and and go other places and and see things so that they don't have this myopic view of city life. And uh, I well, think that would be healthy. 80% of the population of the United States lives east of the Mississippi. Okay. 20 per, east of the Mississippi-ish. It might be a little bit further than that, but east of the Mississippi-ish. 20% live in the West. I flew my wife to Richmond, Virginia yesterday uh, to drop her off to see my daughter. And I flew by by myself and uh, marveled at how much space there was. I flew to Arizona and back two weeks ago by myself, marveling at how much open space there was. Now, when you get close to Dallas, it's so funny, you know, Dallas, just picked out, pick out Dallas. Dallas is a big town, big spread out, really spread out. But when you get out, but when you get outside of 50 miles, 60 miles outside of Dallas, Texas, remote. And I'm 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 60 miles south of Atlanta and uh in the largest live in the largest county in Georgia, land-wise, one of the least populated counties in Georgia. You know, my we're both from Rockdale County. Rockdale County's got, I want to say, upwards of a hundred thousand people ish in it now. Uh, and it's the small, I don't think it's the smallest, and the second smallest county in the state of Georgia, 100,000 people. I live in the largest county in the state of Georgia, 19,000 people. Okay. So why it, well, it's two, two reasons. There's no services here and whatnot. So there's no water. There's, you know, there's not public water. There's no public sewer and all that kind of stuff, which is exactly why we picked this place. But the, uh, uh, but, you know, people are just there. You know, people in Conyers that, that, you know, Many of us fled, you know, and went to other areas, but there's still so many people. I go back and was just was at a funeral there last week and visiting and talking to my had an aunt pass away. And I was meeting a lot of old friends there that are still in Conyers and every single one of them complained about the overcrowding, but none of them would consider leaving. And I just found that fascinating. I'm not bad enough at Conyers. I love Conyers, born and raised there. My family's there. My great, great grandfather founded the church, the County's named after. Okay. So I'm not, but it's just, we're talking about people and what makes people tick. And I think that that's one of the things that people are afraid to, they're not afraid of change. They're afraid of uh, stepping out by themselves. And you and I know that that's probably one of the most liberating, freeing things you can possibly do is step out by yourself with your family. And, you know, I, I can't think of a better way for us to put an exclamation point on this conversation because what you just said is what really the theme of Seek, Go, Create, redefining success is embracing some form of a change and doing something different. Uh, Bart, tell us where people can connect with you. Find Eager for the Master when it releases. I'm not sure exactly when this episode will release sometime probably probably in October but tell us where they could find all of that and then I've got one more question for you before we wrap up well you can find you know I got a website it's bartchristian.com just just like bartchristian.com that's not narcissistic enough for you my uh my email address is bart at bartchristian.com equally narcissistic and uh but the uh, eager for the master is going to be out in kindle form on October 25th first we're going to put it out in Kindle form. It's only going to be 99 cents for, for a limited amount of time because the, 
the, this is not a profit project for me, period. This is a passion project. My, my whole goal is to get this out. And if I could get it out for free, I would, but Amazon won't let you. So, so 99 cents is as cheap as I can get it out there. And then eventually we'll have it out, out in paperback, probably two to three weeks after that at an equally discounted price. But at some point, Amazon's going to obviously make us, make us raise the price. Uh, so, but for a period of time, a month or so, it'll be 99 cents in Kindle. And probably for a period of time after that, the paperback will come out for probably a couple of $3. So, you know, but it's going to be just Google eager for the master or Amazon search eager for the master or Bart Christian after the 25th of October. And you should be able to find it. And my Facebook page is just Google, just go Bart Christian. And we're going to be putting all kinds of stuff on that. And I'm also always posting, trying to post uplifting and motivating things, trying to stay out of the political fray and uh, let people know that, you know, there's something bigger than all that mess. Yeah, I agree. And that's, that's, that's good to do. Yeah. And Bart does do that. Uh, we'll make sure we include all of that down in the notes. Hey, Bart, we are seek, go create. Now, I don't remember if I was asking this question as my final question when we interviewed back in uh, early 2020, but we're seek, go create. I'm going to give you one of those words that just resonates more with you than the other two or speaks to you, your soul more right now than the other two and why. And then I'm going to do a quick wrap and we're done. Seek, go or create. Seek. And why? Seek and you shall find, you know, knock and it'll be open. Ask and you'll be, it'll be revealed. I mean, you know, this seek. You know, that's the, so many people, they, you know, I am amazed. You know, I, I learned, I, I learned how to fly two years ago. Got my pilot's license, you know, um, 58, I was 58 when I started. Uh, I was marveled at the people who were 75 and 80 years old, still flying, still sharp, still agile. And I attribute it to the fact that they seek something new. They're always being challenged in their brain. The people that I see that are the most unhappy, and this is, I, I would, I think this is a blanket truism, and it may be, may, may be arrogant for me to say, but I think the people that are the most unhappy are the people who don't do anything new. They don't read anything new. They don't challenge their mind. They don't challenge their body. They don't. There's. They don't seek anything different. And I think that's the. You know, and I, I, I see older people, you know, who you, you say, I, I despise this. I despise this term. And it's when I say, well, why aren't you doing this? Well, I'm just too old. Give me a friggin' break. You know, there's no, you know, this thing up here only stops working when you stop feeding it and, uh, and challenging it. And that's so my, my favorite word out of all those is seek by far is my favorite one. Yeah, that's good. And and I think one of the powerful things is, is it loops back around to what we said earlier is you can't seek typically with a lot of noise going on. You could get education and do trainings and all that, but what are the, the seeking, the foundational seeking is that quiet time that you brought up. And I totally agree with you. I've seen some relatives that are really embracing quote unquote being retired. And when they say retired, they mean they're not doing anything. And, and, and it shows because I think that, uh, I'm, I'm not sure that that's a long and prosperous life. So Bart, thank you so much. I love this conversation. Make sure if you're listening in, you go get a copy of eager for the master. It's, uh, it, it's a beautiful book. I've seen the images and all that are, are attached to it. And I think if you're anyone that's pursuing something spiritually, just wanting to get deeper, 
definitely if you're a dog lover <laughs> you're going to want to get a get a copy of this because he weaves that in perfectly and bart did a great job with that and uh, i just want to say share this episode if you've listened in and you've enjoyed the conversation of two old friends just kind of talking about what's going on in the world and i believe bart does have a lot of wisdom about uh, some things that are happening there so make sure you share this i think there'd be a lot of value in that and reminder we have new episodes every monday and until next time continue being all that you were created to be